All discussion during the Invest Wisely program is intended for informational and educational purposes. It is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. We do not offer tax, accounting, or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor before making any decision that could affect your tax or legal situation. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. Welcome once again to Invest Wisely with Walt Sikera, our expert on the AKW Group Line. We're talking today about investing money in stocks like the AKW does with all its, all its individual investors. They take all the investors they have and they invest their money in individually own stocks in custom-made portfolios designed just for the needs of that particular investor. If you have any questions about the market or about how the AKW Group invests their clients' money, you can call us anytime this half hour, 330-673-1234, and on WNR.com. You can use our toll-free number if you like, 800-669-4100. Well, Walt, while we've been looking at our December statements with uh, grins on our faces, we uh, kind of end up in noticing how much the uh, market so far in 2022 uh, isn't uh, following that uh, wonderful example of the last month of the year. Uh, we're coming into 2022, and things have been definitely a lot tougher here for the first couple weeks. Uh, we've seen you know, the market last week close lower for the week. Um, there was a little attempted rally, which, which kind of fell short. Um, so for the week, we saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average fall about 319 points, off about 0.9%, almost 1%. Uh, year to date, we're at negative 1.2% on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The S&P was off about 14 points, and year-to-date, we're off 2.2%. Uh, the NASDAQ, uh, again, was off 0.3% last week, and we're, we're down 4.8% on the NASDAQ. And the Russell 2000, those small mid-cap stocks, so we're also off 0.8% uh, last week. Now sitting year-to-date at negative 3.7%. So a little bit of a drawdown, um, Bob. I, I think it's it's the trend uh, that concerns people. It's not the number at this point. It's just, you know, how far this is going to go and if it's going to continue. Um, a lot of news coming out last week, and, you know, I think we're, we're trying to focus on what's important. And, again, we're in the midst of earnings season as well, which, uh, you know, a lot of company reports will tell us uh, how companies are doing and where we're headed as we move into 2022. Now, that the buyers that drive the market, it seems like they don't lack, they're lacking, rather, some, some conviction for the market of 2022. Is that because of this uncertainty you talked about, or are they just uh, figuring it can't happen two years in a row? Well, I think I think it's a uh, you know always a supply demand issue, Bob. And I mean, right now you're right. There, there's a little bit more sellers than buyers, and I think when you have that, you know, prices get pushed down a little bit. So I think there's definitely a little bit of profit taking going on. There's a little bit of a reallocation happening. Um, I think that started last year and it's continuing into this year, and also some shifts. You know, people are moving them to more defensive postures. Um, you know, I definitely people are looking at uh, industries that 
maybe you're a little, you know, going to do a little bit better based on the inflationary numbers. They're also looking at, uh, you know, how to protect a little bit if, if this market continues to be difficult um, and continues to be volatile. Now, of course, we look at inflation. That's one of the concerns right now, and the Federal Reserve seems to be becoming very hawkish on that. They are clear that they're going to be tightening monetary policy. They have predicted at least a, a two to four rate increases in the coming year. Is that uh, soothing investors' worries about uh, controlling inflation? I don't know if it's soothing them, Bob, but it's definitely showing um, where we're at. You know, we talked about this a lot in the last year, year and a half, about you know, what monetary policy has meant to the economy and how it's been so important to continue to move things forward. Um, it also has created issues. You know, we've increased money supply uh, at a historical, unbelievable rate, you know, close to 40% with the M2, the money supply, which creates inflationary trends. So, you know, and on top of that, government spending and stimulus packages and you know, trying to help people through the pandemic and then we look at on the other side, you know, supply chain issues and uh, employ, you know, employers having problems with labor. So a lot of issues that are just kind of in the system. And the Federal Reserve is in, in between a rock and a hard place. You know, they got to figure out how to uh, deal with some of these inflationary numbers and, and you know, don't want to see the economy overheat. So, you know, they're trying to, uh, you know, really slow things down. So those raises in interest rates are definitely going to have an impact on expectations, and, and we're definitely seeing that as uh, we see some asset classes, especially some of the growth assets, repricing a little bit here. And, of course, as we learned uh, for the year of 2021, inflation hit its highest mark in, uh, well, some 40 years since the 1980s, and all the monthly inflation report for December wasn't quite that bad, but does that mean that the good trend will continue? Well, again, consumer price index was up 7% um, from a year ago. Uh, you know, can consumer prices continue to rise at a very rapid rate? Food prices increase quite a bit. Uh, there's really no signs that these are going to slow down. And, and a big part of, of, you know, the consumer price index, Bob, is uh, rents. You know, it's over 30% of the index. Uh, so there was a moratorium there for a long time where people couldn't be evicted. And, you know, those that uh, own buildings and, and space, you know, weren't able to, uh, you know, to raise rents, and they were just trying to collect rents. So now we're kind of moving into a different time. And when you, when you see housing prices drive up as much as they have, uh, you know that people are competitive out there looking for housing. So uh, rents will probably continue to be a pressure on the consumer price index. And then as we talked about on the producer price index side, you know, we're at 9.7% year over year. And in a lot of the trends, even though they should ease, they're still there. You know, when you talk about supply chain woes, you know, there's still a lot of shortages out there on shelves. We we still haven't, you know, fixed the supply chain issue, and uh, there's, it's kind of a trend that's going to take some time. And on top of that, as we talked about, the money supply that's out there, you know, when you increase the amount of dollars in a system, it's hard to pull those back very quickly, and a lot of investors have uh, – you know, a lot of a lot of people through the pandemic have put money into savings, so we have a lot of dollars out there chasing fewer goods, and that definitely creates an inflationary environment. Now, we talked about interest rates. The Fed signaling will probably raise interest rates at least a couple of times this coming year. What does that mean for for investors now who may be looking at higher interest rates doing something nice for the for the bond market, which has been pretty much uh, uh, decimated in the last uh, decade or so because of these low interest rates? Bob, I think we're going to get a trend for higher rates. It's probably not a good time to be a fixed income investor to buy bonds here because as rates rise, 
you know, prices on fixed income investments will come lower. Um, as, as we get through the trend, you know, maybe in the, the end of this year into 2023, perhaps fixed income will be something we can look at again and, and allocate some investments towards that in fixed income the type of uh, asset allocation. But I think right now you got to be careful as a fixed income investor, especially if you own bond mutual funds or exchange traded funds. Uh, might have bought those for the high distribution rates, but you know, keep in mind there is principal fluctuation it, it, possible here, and if rates rise, a lot of times those bond prices will fall. So you have to be careful uh, as a bond investor here. Talking to Walt Sakira, who is the managing partner of the AKW Group here in Akron, also in uh, suburban Pittsburgh, Washington, Pennsylvania. Once again, any questions you have about the market or investing or the AKW Group, give us a call at 330-673-1234. Time to look at our Trends and Insights section, where Walt talks about some of the very things he's looked at the past week that have uh, caught his attention that he thinks he'd like to share with the rest of us. Uh, here's one item that a Gallup poll uh, has been taken recently and shows that since uh, 1990, people who read books has now hit its lowest mark, with 17% of Americans saying they did not read a book at all in the last year, and 27% fell to less than 10. So is we not, are we not reading books, or are we simply reading everything online? I think we, we live in a world of 280 characters, Bob. I mean, right? Everybody uh, likes those that information quick and easy, and you know, we become such uh, consumers of, I think, information through the social medias and uh, media outlets that we're forgetting, you know, that, that, that those, although that might give us some information, I'm not sure it gives us insight. I'm not sure it gives us knowledge. So, you know, books are still extremely important. Um, I, it's uh, sad for me to see that people aren't reading. I still do a tremendous amount of reading. Um, I was just, uh, you know, looking back over some of the books that I've read in the last few years and, you know, over the course of my career, and I mean, some of those are extremely important to to give uh, the proper insights and knowledge that people need. So you, you got to go deeper. You know, I, I always, uh, again, we talk about thinking for yourself. Um, you know, don't rely on those quick bits of information, even though sometimes they're nice to get. Uh, you got to you got to dig deeper. I think to really have the right understandings of, of what's happening out there. An area that uh, investors don't usually look at because it's not manufacturing or, or business is the world of farming. Now, of course, that's a vital to our economy, to our, our sustenance. Uh, farmers fought a lot of drought conditions in the last year, 2021, although soybeans saw record harvests, corn and oranges saw smaller harvests. Now, how does this impact the, uh, the basic investor now? Yeah, I think, Bob, you know, there's always investments here. I mean, you know, farming is such a big part of, of the economy and the world need for food. And uh, it was a very interesting year. You know, 622 billion bushels of soybeans, that was a record harvest in the last nine years. As, as you mentioned, uh, corn, corn and oranges were way short. Uh, cor- oranges, by by the numbers, were 44.5 million um, 90 pound boxes, which again is, is the smallest since 1945. So, uh, you know, keeping in, in, you know, when we talk about inflation, you know, that the ability for farmers uh, to harvest and to bring crops to the market, it, those inflationary trends only get worse if, you, if the supply uh, starts to become an issue. So we have to keep an eye on those. I mean, food is a big part of CPI. And there's a lot of investments that we talk about, you know, and, and, and look at, you know, based on, uh, you know, food and, and uh, you know, how people consume food out there in the economy and, and manufacturers that bring it to market. So 
a lot of things to pay attention to as far as the trends go. Now, another, uh, what they've now called the Great Resignation, is a continuing to impact the economy as more numbers show that the baby boomer retirements are hitting all-time highs and, and people are leaving the workforce at record numbers. Uh, this could be getting a lot of attention as we look at uh, what this could do to the cost of labor and just the fact we're getting things done in our economy. Absolutely, and we're losing a lot of experienced workers out there, Bob. You know, I mean, people that have uh, you know devoted their careers that are saying enough's enough, and uh, you know, due to the rising markets, you know, have a lot more in four hundred one k and savings. So, three point three million baby boomers uh, retired from October twenty one to January of two thousand and twenty. That's uh, a record number. Again, we see a lot of retirements and. You know, people uh, saying enough and, and, and deciding to, you know, kind of change and, and go into a different phase of life. So uh, a lot of importance from a lot of different areas that we look at, especially in our business, uh, we see a lot more retirees coming to the market. And, of course, on the other end, we're not seeing as many people come into the market. The birth rates have been down uh, for historically and, again, particularly low in the last couple of years. We're not getting uh, enough immigrants into the market legally to, to uh, start the whole process going over again with, the, with some of the lower-paying jobs. So at some point, uh, something's going to have to give. And I'm wondering, you know, what, what can anybody do about this if, if people just aren't going to be enough people in this country to work? Well, again, that's the labor shortages, Bob, and the and the challenges for employers. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to find labor, and it's hard to keep talent, and people have choices. So, uh, that's a it's a very interesting dynamic uh, as as we sit here at the beginning of 2022, and it looks like it's going to be a really big issue for years to come. One piece of good news uh, we've been talking for many many years that the American savings rate has been pathetically low, but during the past two years. Our pandemic years, Americans have shown they do have an ability to save. They put away nearly uh, $2.7 trillion in savings. Now, that has to be a good thing because essentially those savings are driving the capital markets. Absolutely, Bob. Yeah, I think, you know, people have slowed down. Obviously, the pandemic's made us all slow down, reevaluate priorities. And and we've had some extra money coming in through stimulus and things of that nature. And people have put it into savings or into investments. So, uh, that's a very positive trend, and it does support the capital markets and, and investing is a is a, you know something we all need to do. So, I think that is a positive trend as we look forward. Once again, Walt Sakira is the expert here on Stock Talk and Invest Wisely. We're talking about Stock Talk right now. If you have any questions about individual stock issues that you have been watching yourself or investing in or, or think are intriguing, give us a call again at 330-673-1234 and ask Walt Sakira what he thinks about those issues, whether or not his company actually invests in them. He still monitors all these things that are happening in the market over 30 years of doing this. So if you have any questions about the market, about particular stocks, 330 one two three four. Once again, listening on WNR.com, you can use our toll-free number if you need it, 800-669-4100. Good morning. You're on WNIR. Konnichiwa. I <laughs> wondered, uh, last week I mentioned uh, Mrs. Tanaka, the oldest person in the world, turned 119. Uh, there you go. And Bob mentioned, I told, uh, I said that she uh, mainlined uh, chocolate and fizzy drinks. Well, I told you I would research this. The fizzy drinks aren't what Bob thought they were. They're not cherry-flavored Alka-Seltzer. They're, uh, they're, uh, it was Coca-Cola, believe it or not, and they did a commemorative uh, bottle in honor of her 119th birthday, showing her with a Coca-Cola T-shirt and uh, holding up bottles of Coca-Cola. So anyway, that's the uh, 
my research on that. I wanted to ask you a stock question about when you went to Las Vegas, the uh, uh, electronics show. Was there anything compelling that you saw that you that, uh, st- uh, bought on your way home or uh, anything that really uh, stood out? You mentioned Qualcomm, Intel, and uh, ADM or yeah, I think Ken, you know the uh, consumer electronics show. I, I think the the semiconductors are really a key I, to a lot of the technologies that we talk about. I think just continue to be impressed with uh, you know that technology and, and how important that is. And it seems like they have pricing power and the ability to you know have that financial power as we look forward. So I think the Nvidia, you know Intel, which you brought up in the past, which I think has uh, the new foundries coming online. Um, Taiwan Semiconductor, Qual- Qualcomm. I mean, a lot of these uh, semiconductors seem to be well positioned uh, for the movements that we see over the next few years. When you talk a lot about a lot of these technologies, I see Intel is going to build a new factory in New Albany, Ohio. Uh, did you see that? I did, yeah. I mean, it's good to see Intel. You know, Intel's competitive. You know, they they kind of fell behind a little bit, and you know, were taken by surprise with some of the movements that happened. But Intel has incredible manufacturing and you know some world class foundries, and they're going to continue to do what they need to do to be competitive in the future. And they're kind of refabricating and reinventing themselves a little bit. So I'm excited to see what Intel does over the next few years. I see your Crocs company uh, bought a company. A competitor called Hey Dude. Should I start addressing you as Hey Dude? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Check out the Hey Dude shoots, uh, Ken. You might like those a lot better than the Crocs. They're not the gummy shoes. They're very lightweight <laughs> shoes. So go check out oh. the Hey Dude. You might like those. Well, they interviewed some teenagers and they they wondered why they're so popular, and the kids said they're so uncool. They're cool. So <laughs> there you go. That, <laughs> sounds sounds just like me, Ken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you for the info. All right. Sure. Okay. Thank you for calling. 330-673-1234. Uh, observations about stocks and, and uh, in general marketing philosophy and stock uh, owning philosophy. Now, the litmus test for a lot of folks is when they ask their broker whether they favor growth stocks versus value stocks or large cap versus small cap stocks. Uh, you, what do you see? the biggest risks and opportunities, short-term and long-term, in asking those questions? Well, Bob, we've always been a blend. You know, I, I, I've never put myself in a box and said, you know, I'm a growth stock guy or a value stock guy or a small cap guy or a large cap guy. I think what I like to do is find great companies, um, you know, that have great value propositions, that have financial power, that have attractive valuation. Whether that be a growth stock, a value stock, a small cap, a large cap, I think it doesn't matter. It's it's finding great companies, and you know we we talk about a lot of them on the show, and you know, but I think the rotations are definitely there in the market. We definitely see people rotating towards the value stocks at this point. I think the large cap stocks give people a lot more confidence right here because you know whenever you go through some economic changes, you want to have companies that have strong cash flow, and a lot of these large cap companies have incredibly strong cash flow. Um, but I think, you know, if you're an investor and you can look out past the short term, again, if you ask me what's going to happen in the next three days, the next three weeks, the next three months, I'll tell you, I have no idea. Nobody does. But if we look at the next three to five years, a lot of the companies, uh, whether they be small or large cap or value or growth, if you have the right uh, fundamentals and, 
you know, you have a good company, you're probably going to end up in a decent place. So that's that's how we continue to look at investing. Let's get back to the calls on WNIR. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. We're good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, well, I had a question about Lucid electric com- electric uh, vehicle stock. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching it a little bit. I have just a few shares. But I was wondering what uh, your opinion would be on that. Yeah, Lucid is, again, incredible technology. I, I think for me and for our group, we, we have to see profitability. You know, it took us a number of years to kind of warm up to Tesla and until they turned a profit. Um, they had, you know, there, they, there was a lot of instability at their early part of a company. But, I mean, from a pure speculative play or from a, a long-term play, some of these stocks can be very rewarding. Um, with our clients' money, you know, a lot of the people we invest money for, we just we want to see bo- that financial power, which means revenue growth as well as some profits coming to the bottom line. So Lucid is still probably a couple years away from reaching that profitability. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I was just going to, you know, uh, keep those few shares and see how it goes. So. Yeah, I mean, those kind, like those kinds of investments always have a place or a right percentage in a portfolio, but... Yeah, you know, when you're depending on how much you're investing, that's that's always the question. Okay, thanks. Have a good day. Sure. Thank you for calling. Yeah, the Lucid uh, automobile was named the Motor Trend Car of the Year uh, this past month. Uh, the only one they make right now costs about one hundred seventy thousand dollars a copy. So it's kind of intriguing they should name it the Car of the Year. But as you said, it's because of the technology involved. But of interesting in that regard, uh, one of the big executives at Honda America last week said that uh, he kind of felt that the industry was jumping the gun on what they think will be the public demand for all electric cars. And he says Honda's taking a more conservative look at what the, what people may actually buy. They're going to provide the vehicles, but they don't think it's going to be as big of a market as some of the uh, other companies seem to be uh, thinking it will be. That's a good point, Bob. I, I, I think it's like we've talked about. Investments sometimes run by capturing attention and, and attention right now from consumers, from investors, from you know people that are capital markets has been this electric vehicle movement. Um, it's it's captured the excitement, imagination, attention, and dollars flow. And where dollars flow, it, it creates opportunities for investments. So that's what we're seeing here. But yeah, when you get back to demand and, 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 you know, just reasonable expectations, you know, like I said, for me, the way I drive, my patterns, my the way that I have to get around, I, electric car just isn't going to work. I, I wouldn't have the time to pull over and charge to get to where I need to go on a weekly, monthly basis. So I think for a lot of people out there, the demand is going to be interesting. I think it is a, a vehicle that fits um, some lifestyles and some income levels and, you know, definitely we, we see some excitement in the market, but I think you got to take a deep breath and say, you know, how, how does this really play out as far as the, the next three to five years as far as growth? Uh, and companies that are term profitable, uh, like a Tesla, I think are in a much better position to capitalize on the, on the normalization of demand, uh, which is something to pay attention to. Again, Tesla offered some uh, fourth quarter results, which were quite good, especially in China. We talked about that uh, already. And uh, another company that offered some uh, reports last week from our uh, fourth quarter uh, called Twain Semiconductor. Now, you don't hold this company, but it is a semiconductor company that you've been watching for some time. And they reported some pretty excellent earnings. What's going on with Twain? Yeah, so, so yeah, so Taiwan Semiconductor here, Bob, um, you know, had a had a pretty good quarter. I mean, when you look at the numbers, um, just you know, really strong results. 
uh, when you look at their customers, you know, who they actually sell to uh, and manufacture for, I mean, they manufacture for AMD, Broadcom, NVIDIA, Qualcomm. So they're out there actually doing these, uh, you know, these manufacturing processes for a lot of the chips uh, that these other companies design and need manufactured. Uh, Taiwan Semiconductor had 23% sales growth for the quarter and 18% earnings growth. They did $15.8 billion over $12.9 billion in revenue. Um, so, again, a very impressive quarter and a company that we continue to watch and pay attention to as it's at the, at the heart of, of really all semiconductor manufacturing. Of course, you said it's Taiwan Semiconductor, not Twain. I guess autocorrect uh, mutilated that one there. <laughs> so it's Taiwan <laughs> Semiconductor. There you go. Yeah. Uh, major banks also reported earnings. J.P. Morgan Cash, a long-term holding in your core equity portfolio and considered a bellwether for the bank stocks, reported first quarter earnings. And while they saw revenue increase, their profits fell a bit short of expectations. What say your thoughts about J.P. Morgan and other banks now in financial yeah. service firms? Yeah, J.P. Morgan for us, Bob, has always been a bellwether. Um, you know, they have over 5,000 branches in 25 states, almost $3 trillion in assets now. When you look at the different divisions, they're broken into, you know, consumer, community banking, corporate, investment banking, commercial banking. They have asset and wealth management. So just about every aspect of financial services can be find at, found at J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, they had a quarter that was a little weaker than expected, um, and, and, you know, the stock kind of sold off on that. I think a lot of it had to do with trading volume, which was a lot lower than expected for the quarter. Um, so trading volume has kind of slowed down on the investment side. And then, you know, when we look at it, they seem to be humming along in some areas. Consumer uh, lending has been pretty high. Credit card volume was up over 29%. Their M&A activity was, was really strong. Um, loan growth was fairly strong. So, again, we think they're well-positioned. Uh, as we look forward over the next uh, couple of years. So we continue to like J.P. Morgan Chaser, even though the stock did sell off last week. Now, Delta Airlines, again, others not a stock that you don't hold in your portfolios, did uh, show what they called a meaningful profit in their earnings report last week. Now, why is it important to see a profit for Delta Airlines? Well, Bob, all these airline companies have been hemorrhaging cash, you know, just trying to get through this pandemic. So, like we said, whenever a company can put some profits to the bottom line, it shows that, you know, that financial stability is coming back. And it's just really important to see an airline company put put together, you know, some profitability here. So, uh, bodes well for, you know, the airline industry and some of these industries that have been struggling on the travel side. Now, Sherwin-Williams, the paint people headquartered up in Cleveland, uh, provided some uh, guidance to expect lower expectations in their report. The stock sold off about 4.5% for the week after they said that. What's going on at Sherwin-Williams? Yeah, you know, Bob, for for over 150 years, they've been a leader out there in in paints, finishes, coatings, application varnishes. um, You know, but basically they kind of said they... They looked for sales to be weaker. A lot of it has to do with supply chain disruptions and raw material availability. Uh, so that that'll slow the company down a little bit. And we did see the stock sell off, you know, based on those uh, forward-looking comments that Sherwin Williams was offering prior to their quarterly report. Now, this concept of guidance—the companies that give out a little bit of a, a preview of their reports before the reports come out—is uh, that a good practice uh, for the companies to do that, or is that just kind of like making excuses in advance? Well, some companies don't do it anymore, Bob. A lot of companies have moved away from it, but some companies feel that getting the news out a little bit ahead of time and not waiting for that big uh, shareholder report is a better way to do it. And Sherwin-Williams is obviously one of those companies that probably feels getting that news out a little bit sooner is better than waiting for that quarterly report. 
Hey, once again, the folks there at the AKW Group are affiliated with the Robert W. Baird Company, international company that gives them all kinds of access to information to give them the ability to uh, deal with your clients in any way they want, including retirement planning, estate plan reviews, uh, social security analyses, tax analyses, and a lot more. So it's more than just investing their clients' money they can provide for the folks who are part of the AKW Group. So, Walt, we got another week coming up, our third week of the new year. What do you see happening? Bob, we get more earnings reports coming up. We're in the midst of earnings season now, so they're going to be flowing in in the next couple of weeks. They're extremely important to our practice as we invest in a lot of individual companies. So that's where we'll spend the majority of our time. We'll also watch some of the trends that are going on, on the big picture side as well. Walt Secura, the AKW Group in Akron, 234-466-7476 in Pennsylvania, 412-480-5090. Tell him you heard him on WNR Kid Akron. Talk to you next Sunday, Walt. Thanks, Bob. During today's broadcast, the following individual stocks were mentioned and discussed. Advanced Micro Devices, Inc., symbol AMD. Broadcom, Inc., symbol AVGO. Crocs, Inc., symbol CROX. Delta Airlines, Inc., symbol DAL. Coca-Cola Company, symbol KO. Honda Motor Company Limited, symbol HMC. Intel Corporation, symbol INTC. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, symbol JPM. Lucid Group, Inc., symbol LCID. NVIDIA Corporation, symbol NVDA. Qualcomm Incorporated, symbol QCOM. Sherwin-Williams Company, symbol SHW. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, symbol TSM. And Tesla, Inc., symbol TSLA. Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated makes a market in all the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast. In addition, Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated and or its affiliates have received investment banking compensation from J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, symbol JPM, in the past 12 months. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated and or its affiliates have been compensated by J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, symbol JPM, for non-investment banking securities-related services in the past 12 months.